Our second scripture lesson is from Revelation chapter 7, verses 19 to 17. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one who knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of water, of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This too is the word of God for the people of God. It is fitting, I think, that All Saints Sunday always falls for us on a communion Sunday. All Saints is about celebrating the saints who came before us. It is a day that we set aside to remember them. We remember the lives they led, the impact they made on us, and we remember the promises of God that not even death can separate us from that love. We remember those familiar words of Revelation 7, that for them there is no more hunger or strife, there is only the presence of God. It gives us just a glimmer, like a little taste of the kingdom of God. And communion is the same, right? We talk about this sacrament, this shared meal, as a foretaste of the heavenly banquet. There we are connected to all the saints who have come before us and all of those who will come after us. We join with them when we sing the Sanctus every month. And then, of course, communion is about remembering. In all four Gospels, one of the last instructions that Jesus gives to his disciples is to remember him. Gathered around the table with his friends, Jesus breaks bread and asks them to remember. And we repeat that instruction every time we come to this table. Memory is powerful, as Pastor Amanda has already mentioned. When we taste something, smell something, it can bring to mind a powerful image. And we find memory language or remembering language used repeatedly in Scripture. When the people of Israel are languishing as slaves in Egypt, God hears their cries and remembers them, sending Moses to lead them to freedom. In the law, particularly those concerning immigrants and the oppressed, God calls on his people to remember that they were once captives. From Job to the Psalms to the thief on the cross, we find folks crying out to God to be remembered, to not be left alone, to be saved, 
to follow Jesus into paradise. Memory matters. So what does it mean to remember? It clearly isn't about just thinking fondly back on someone or something. Sure, memory is comforting and inspiring, but it's more than nostalgia. Remembering is active. When Jesus asked his disciples to remember him, I don't believe that he was hoping they'd like smile knowingly when they saw a loaf of bread, but rather that they would remember who Jesus was and what his purposes on earth were. Then they would proclaim the good news of the kingdom. I mean, that's his literal last instruction to them in the Great Commission. Go and teach everything I've taught you to every nation, and remember, I am with you always. And that's what they did. They told the story of hope and promise and truth and love in a world and in a system that did not always leave room for that. And we don't have any stories from Jesus. We have stories about Jesus. We have what people remembered, what was told about him again and again until it became a part of our canon. When something is remembered, we are told a story of who God is and who we are. And we aren't just told about who God is through those stories. We are shown, right? We remember Jesus by embodying him, by living in a way that reflects who Jesus was. It's done with our words and our deeds. It's what Paul is talking about in our passage from Ephesians. The saints in Ephesus would be, that the saints in Ephesus would be transformed by the love of God, that everything they do would be rooted and grounded in that great love. But you see, Ephesians 3 isn't aspirational. It isn't even a command. It's a benediction. Paul does not hope that they will suddenly become good enough for God and for God's love. He hopes that they will come to know who they already are, that they would comprehend the breadth and height and depth of the love they have already been given. Paul hopes that they would remember who they already are remember who God is, remember who you are, and be transformed. And may that transformation tell the story and the promises of God's kingdom. These saints in Ephesus can tell the story of a love so deep that is rooted in the very earth beneath their feet, and so full that it dwells inside of each of them. Then when we read John's vision in Revelation, we find saints who know who they are, and they know who God is. It is this great multitude of people from every tribe and nation and language who are now standing in the presence of God, living in the presence of God. They are robed in white, standing before the Lamb who we understand as Jesus, praising Him together. They are pointing to Jesus. It is, for them, about the Lamb. These are the ones who have come out of the great ordeal and who now worship God day and night. This innumerable crowd of people who are different in every way are united, not in having done the right thing, said the right thing, believed the right thing, having lived a perfect life, but rather they are united in having gone through something difficult and finding that Jesus was there with them. They came through hardship and through life. They could not go around it or over it or under it, only through it. And they discovered that the lamb had been there shepherding them all along. They don't know hunger or grief, only the presence of the one who saved them. And so these saints remember Jesus. They tell us a story about who we are and who God is 
by standing on the promises of God fulfilled. In them, we see and know that the worst thing is never the last thing, and that we are never, ever in this ordeal alone. When we remember Jesus at the table, when we remember the multitude robed in white, when we remember our saints, we hear again the story of who we are and who God is. And we remember not just because Jesus instructed it, but because we need it. Like Amanda eating that muffin and remembering her grandma, like remembering the food that you have at the table, remembering the saints that came before us. It's like looking out across the darkness and seeing flashes of light. Those stories, those people, those acts of hope, those moments of praise in the presence of God, the sacred meal we share together, all of those things lift a candle against everything that would insist that the world or we are broken beyond repair, that hope could not endure. Our memories of who God is and who we are lights a candle against the darkness. So, as the world is uh, dark and full of terrors, I want us to remember our saints. I want us to tell their stories, and in so doing, tell our story that we might, as Eleanor Roosevelt would say, light a candle rather than curse the darkness. Today, we will celebrate all of Morningside's saints that have passed this year, and I imagine many of you were told a story about Jesus by them, and you saw a light lifted in the darkness by these people, even if you didn't realize it in the moment. Perhaps you watched Sue Belay sit on the floor week after week with the littlest in our congregation teaching them godly play. Or maybe you came with us once or twice to Dobbs and you saw Jim Antonucci, who spent a lot of time there, stand on the carpet-sized map of the United States, and he would walk with his students and point at the state and tell them the capital and a historical fact. And from Sue and Jim, you remember Jesus' words that the kingdom of God belongs to the little children. Maybe you got to have a deep theological conversation with Link Marks, and he sparked curiosity or maybe anger, I don't know, Link likes to argue. <laughs> he, he sparked in you curiosity or passion about Romans or John Calvin, or you just wanted to read something so you could prove him wrong. And thus you remembered the way that Jesus knew the scriptures and the way that Jesus challenged traditional understanding. These are just some of the saints of Morningside, those who have gone through their great ordeal and now rest in praise of the Lamb. And their lights persist as we remember. And I would like to, as I am preaching and no one can stop me, uh, remember some of my saints, the ordinary people who pointed me to Jesus and lifted a candle in the darkness. Uh, these saints gave me a vision of what the kingdom of God would look like, um, and it looked like Saturday evenings in a church basement uh, surrounded by men and women who were in various stages of addiction recovery. It is where I spent many hours as a child because my dad, who has uh, been clean and sober for nearly 30 years, counted himself in their number. And so it's with his blessing that I share my great cloud of witnesses. I'm going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. Um, I could talk to you about my Uncle John and my Uncle Spunky, not my blood relatives, of course, but close enough to me to be chosen family. Uncle John asked me questions when I was little. He made sure my sister and I were included, and when he and his wife would drive past our house on the way back um, to theirs, they would honk uh, so we would know that they were passing by. 
In fact, um, anytime I'm in my parents' yard and someone drives by, my first thought is, I wonder if that's Uncle John, even though he's been gone for many years. Uncle Spunky told stories that would uh, send the most serious person into hysterics. He was so iconic that his stories have become these inside jokes with my family. And even though um, he's been dead for many years, his wild humor persists in my family. And I absolutely have to tell you about Doug Bush. Doug died on October 9th after a battle with cancer. He was, in my opinion, the brightest light in Washington, Pennsylvania, where my family calls home. My dad met Doug early in his recovery, and Doug was good. Um, he was kind and generous and loud. Um, he smiled easily and he hugged often. Doug was not perfect. Um, he was in and out of recovery for a time when uh, I was young, and that did not or does not define him. Um, when he was released from jail in the late 90s, he began a relationship with the city mission that then became his life's passion. He dedicated his life to the cause of the mission. Doug was faithful to his community, to his family. Everybody knew him. Everybody. And he knew them. Doug had been transformed by the love of God, and he was so rooted in that love that he had to share it. Doug believed that the love of God was proclaimed most loudly in action, in the way that he treated others, and the way that he used his time. Doug worshipped his creator by embracing people on the margins. He saw everyone as a beloved child of God, and he saw every day as a new chance for grace and to celebrate the goodness of God. Whether he was uh, managing cases of people experiencing homelessness, serving as a chaplain to people in recovery, or loading newspapers uh, into the cars of delivery drivers before dawn, Doug approached every single thing he did from a place of hope and joy and love, um, and it was infectious, absolutely infectious. And while it is a gift and an honor for me to be able to stand up here and remember my incredible saints, I would be lying if I said this hasn't been a hard loss for me and for my dad and for everyone who knew Doug. So these are my, these are my saints. Doug and John and Spunky went through the great ordeal, and they found that Jesus had been with them all along. These men I've named and many others I met um, in those rooms that I did not name, they told me who Jesus is. Their stories of Jesus shaped my own. My saints taught me how to submit to my higher power, how to admit my wrongdoings, how to forgive. They modeled inclusivity and hospitality. I learned how to greet people with open arms without first asking who they were or where they came from or what sin they may have committed. I learned how to listen to the stories of others without judgment or fear. From them, in those rooms, I learned how to celebrate and grieve with community. They taught me that the worst thing is never the last thing. And if you've heard me preach before, you know that that's a theme that comes up a lot. These saints have influenced my theology. They have lit the path that I follow in faith and in ministry. They have ignited a passion in me, and they have loved me fiercely. They showed me who Jesus was. They showed me what the kingdom of God could be like, and I will never be able to thank them adequately for that. So I remember. I remember and I seek to embody all the things that they taught me. I try to stay rooted and grounded in love, remembering that we, none of us, can be separated from the love of God. 
I light my own candle and try to enact the kingdom of God here and now. And above all else, when I remember my saints, I am pointed back to Jesus, to his table where I am nourished, to the lamb who has been with us all along. So friends, as we come to the table today, as we name our saints aloud, may we remember who we are, beloved children of God who are called to remember Jesus in this world. May we be the saints who lift up voices of hope and comfort and love as our saints did for us. Thanks be to God.